0: Today on It's Time. You are set apart for the purposes of God by His Holy Spirit. Isn't that great to know? A lot of times when we lose kind of our way in life and we think, what purpose am I here for? The word sanctification means being set apart for the specific use of God.
1: Listening to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry of Pastor Mike Kessler of the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN International. Today we start a new series with the book of 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus, came quite a long way in his time with Christ. From fisherman to fisher of men, the two books written by Peter are foundational for a strong Christian walk. Today Pastor Mike will introduce the first book and study on sanctification. What's it mean and how does it affect you? It's time to get started. So here's Pastor Mike.
0: How important it is in these days that we live in to be about our Father's business. And so today we're going to start a new book, and it's uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn in them to that book. We're going to go through the entirety of First and 2 Peter. And this book really deals with equipping the saints for the ministry. Now, every one of us are involved in ministry. And that isn't just for pastors, or Sunday school teachers, or deacons, or elders, or priests, or somebody else. That is for every single one of us. Every one of us are involved in ministry. And when you stop to think for a minute, the impact that you have in somebody else's life. Imagine if that person who has contributed so much to your life wasn't there. Think about maybe your mom, or your dad, or your friends. Maybe that person that oftentimes we can take for granted that if they were not there, what your life would be like. It is interesting a lot of times that we think that life is defined by human success. As an example, name five of the last Nobel Peace Prize winners. Most of us can't do that. Name the ten last Academy Award winners. Can't do that. Most of us. Name the 15 richest people in the world. You might know Gates and maybe a couple others, about as far as I can go. So it tells you looks, popularity, money doesn't necessarily cause a person to remember you. But now for a minute, just think about maybe what was the one teacher in your high school that perhaps when you felt like running away and dropping out of high school, maybe encouraged you to stay in school. Maybe that one friend that when everybody else turned their back on you, they were there for you. You remember their names. It's funny that in the amount of oftentimes worldly successes that we can have, we think sometimes this is what makes us something, when in reality we find that sometimes it's just one individual, I believe divinely guided by God, that makes the difference in our life. Well, Peter's writings were based upon not a person who did everything right. In fact, they said, according to many of the historical books that we have, that they say that things that when Peter would get up to preach, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, that there would always be people in the audience that would go, reminding Peter of when he denied the Lord three times. There's always those that are going to try to put down and hurt what you're endeavoring to do for God. But again, Peter was a person who stood up to make a difference in people's lives. I want to just encourage you the same way, that God wants you to be a person that makes an impact in other people's lives as well. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you now that you would bless this time together, that you would expand our horizons, our understanding of your word and God, that we would see the value of your Holy Spirit in us, guiding us, encouraging us, and helping us, Lord, just as you moved upon Peter to write these words to encourage us today. And so we ask you now that your hand would guide us and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 1 of Peter, and this book was written about 30 years after Jesus had ascended into heaven. I think that's uh, fairly significant because uh, Peter probably had a little time to reflect on all the things that had happened. Here he saw a person crucified, saw him raised from the dead, saw the numerous miracles that Jesus did, saw his own personal failures. And Peter was one of those people that oftentimes could put his foot in his mouth, shoe and all. And yet, in all of that, Jesus still loved him. And friends, I think that's very encouraging to know that not based upon our meticulous performance as being a Christian, God uses us. But it's, you might say, the desired, the continual work of God working in our lives. So he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was an eyewitness, first of all, and divinely sent out by Jesus himself. To the pilgrims, this word in the original language is sojourners. In other words, he's saying here that um, this ain't your home. The very one of the very first things Peter causes the reader to understand is this ain't all there is. This ain't your home. And friends, I think that's real important because sometimes we like to nestle, snuggle down in our little world, the picket fences, and my little things everywhere like I like it. And we find oftentimes that we find the jumbling effect that goes on. Those things that cause us to find that uneasiness in a world. And sometimes we interpret that as that God doesn't love me because if God loved me, everything would be cushy. Everything would be velvet. Everything would be velour. Everything would be my way. But as we really study this here, you're going to find that as a Christian... Because you're alive in a world that's contrary to the Spirit of Christ, you're going to endure many things that go against the principles of God and you, because you represent God on this earth. Now he says to the pilgrims, the sojourners, in the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, In sanctification of the Spirit, for the obedience of sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. It's interesting here. He says, to the pilgrims of the dispersion, the persecution came upon the church in Jerusalem. And because the persecution came upon the church in Jerusalem, the disciples, the followers of Christ, went all over the known world to get out of Jerusalem, because that's where they were being persecuted, and i got to tell you something, persecution is just simply an invitation. The invitation was, go preach the gospel someplace else. You know, otherwise everybody would have just kind of stayed together in one little pot, and they'd all just kind of enjoyed each other's company, waiting around for the Lord to come back. Well, the persecution came, and that's what jumbled everything up and caused them to leave. Now, where did the persecution come from? Was it from the Roman government? Interestingly enough, no, it wasn't. It's the same place I believe persecution today comes from quite often comes from people who think they're Christians or religious and simply aren't at all. Oh, they might have a Bible and they may say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But there's something really wrong in their spiritual walk. Zero fruit is something you always find. Jesus said, by, your, by their fruit, you shall know them. And you'll notice oftentimes that people that are the most critical of others or persecuting them or doing all. When you really examine their life, they're not leading anybody to Christ. They don't have any discipline in their life of teaching anybody the word of God or Bible studies or anything like that. All they do is like to go around and take pot shots like a sniper in Vietnam at people. It's really tragic because what had happened then, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin riled up the people against those followers of Christ. The very people that had the roles of Scripture, the very ones that had Isaiah chapter 53, that spoke of Jesus being wounded for our transgressions and being wounded for our iniquities, those were the very uh, uh, scrolls that they had. And as they crucified Christ, and then they went after the disciples, that then is what got the Roman government riled up because they were just trying to keep the riots away. And we know the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that the Judaizers... Would go and find out which way Paul was going to go to the next town. Which way is he going? Which way is he going? Well, I think we heard him saying he's going to go down to you know and mention the town. Okay, and they would run ahead and try to rally the town against Paul's message when he'd go into the town. It's unfortunate, friends, that this happens. But I got to tell you something. In Fox's Book of Martyrs, and if you ever have a chance to read that book, it's an incredible book because it tells you how the apostles and the early church fathers and other Christians died because of their faith in Christ. You'll read about how uh, Peter was crucified upside down. Some of the other apostles skimmed alive. But you never read how the Pharisees died in Fox's Book of Martyr, and it's because they didn't. They're still here. Incredible, isn't it? I know. Well, he says, the dispersion. When that pressure came, that persecution came, those disciples, those followers of Christ, moved all over the known world at that time. And with them, inside of them, was the treasure. The treasure of life eternal. And so they began to bring that invitation of the kingdom of heaven to other places through the persecution. Now he says... Sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctification is a big word. Sounds real spiritual, but just simply means this. You are set apart for the purposes of God by His Holy Spirit. Isn't that great to know? A lot of times when we lose kind of our way in life, and we think, what purpose am I here for? Is it just to occupy space? Or is it for a real purpose? The word sanctification means being set apart for the specific use of God. And then he goes on and he tells us, For the obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us without the, the, uh, sprinkling of blood or the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That's what makes you and me holy. Always remember that sprinkling of blood is what keeps you holy, keeps me holy. We're not holy in ourselves. Boy, I'll tell you. You can ask anybody you know. Ask your, ask your spouse. Honey, am I holy? Holy weird. No, I mean, I mean, we know we're not. We do things weird. But God, in his love, through the forgiveness of Christ, washes us every day. You need to remember, you're in the blood of Christ. And those things that are in your past are forgiven, and you need to walk in that way every day. The Bible tells us that. And so, he says, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. Now, mercy is God not giving you what you do deserve. But grace is God just saying, you know what? I'm going to bless him. Just because they need to be blessed, I like that. Have you ever just just wish somebody would do that for you? You ever just wish? You know, I look at these millionaires sometimes. It really is crazy. I, I read this thing this past week about this man. He he's like a multi billionaire, and he spent millions of dollars to try to figure out how the brain of a mouse works. And and I just wish. Sometimes you think, you know what? I, I could do a lot better with that money than that mouse. And you think about that for a minute. You think, boy, it'd be sure nice that somebody would give you something even though you didn't deserve it or you didn't work for it. That's what grace is. Unfortunately, sometimes the world bestows all its grace on things that don't matter. But God, on the other hand, bestows his grace on you because you do matter. And because when you're exhorted and you're built up and you're confident in your faith, you in turn are going to go out and be an encouragement to others. Friends, I can never, ever express to you the importance of how valuable you are to at least one other person on this earth. You're valuable. If you ever felt suicidal, it's because you've lost sight of that other person that God has placed in your life or those people that God has placed in your life because you do have an impact in other people's lives. The way they view God, the way they view life, the way they view eternity, that's you. That's part of what God has you doing. You say, well, Mike, I, I don't know that I'm doing that. You know, sometimes just your daily conduct, the Bible says, people observe your relationship with God. And so when they see that... You know, hey, they're going through some hard and heavy-duty stuff, but they're still going. Well, hey, that's pretty neat. That's a pretty neat thing to be able to say. Well, you know, a lot of people, when they go through hard times and troubles, and as we're going to get into this, because this whole, again, book is about equipping the saints for the ministry. When people go through things sometimes, well, they give up. They go, let's go get sloshed. Let's go get loaded. Let's just run away. Let's just abandon everything we do. Let's just slip out the jack, back, find a new plan, stand, make a new Lee, and get yourself free. Whatever, (laughs) however goes. You know, you look at the philosophy of the world in dealing with pressure, friends, it's a lot different than the way Christians do. Because everything, oftentimes, the devil tries to get you to do, to abandon what you know to be true, And you remain true to God, let me tell you something, that's the Spirit of God in you, because it's not within you to remain faithful to God in yourself. That's what God's grace is. And because you have God's grace, in other words, God giving you something you don't deserve. In other words, you know, I'm weak, God, my knees are a-knocking, and I'm tired. God says, I'm going to keep you plugged into the fueling station, because I love you. Now, the result of that is the second part of this, and that's peace. It's multiplied to you. See, when you know, when you remember... And, and friends, I, I think Sunday is a wonderful time. I think Wednesday nights are wonderful times. I think any time you get together with other people that love God's wonderful times. I'll tell you why. Because it reminds me when all the only input maybe I have concerning the, my viewpoint of life is maybe my own and maybe Hollywood's. It's nice to know that when I get around other Christians... That they remind me. God's spirit in them reminds me. Whether it's me sharing here on Sunday morning as an example. Or or around uh, eating, eating a meatball afterwards after the church. That we encourage one another in saying, Hey, as a matter of fact, God is faithful. And by the way, I do appreciate you. Gives us peace. That peace knowing that God's going to work it all out. And I thank God for the times we gather together on Sunday morning and again. Wednesday and all the other times. For just that time of renewal and that time of, God, thank you for refocusing my life. Do, do you know how long it takes us to get out of focus? You know, you know, it, it, we, it we go out of focus in lightning speed. Now friends, I know you don't think this is true, but it is. I, I shouldn't eat deep fried stuff, <laughs> nor should you, but we shouldn't. We don't. We, I mean, there's whole movies made about how bad it is for you. And we know we're not supposed to do it. And we open the menu and we see the big kahuna. (laughs) Every deep fried thing imaginable on the planet is on that appetizer. And I got to tell you, while I'm eating it, I enjoy it. But you know, about three in the morning, there's a little wake up call from a thing called your tummy that says, you ate too much grease. And it is amazing to me... How often times in our lives we know, but we don't do. Isn't that amazing? It isn't a very long track from knowing what we're supposed to do to not doing it. It's amazing to me how quickly we go off the path. Well, I really shouldn't do this, but, well, you only live once and this is bound to shorten it. You know, I mean, kind of thing. And and we think about those kinds of things. And I, I look at this and I realize that God's purpose for us is to remind us. And those reminders oftentimes are much better heeded in persecution than they are when everything is going well for us. So he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, now again, abundant mercy, that's not getting what you all, what I deserve. We deserve to be fried, crispy critters. But God in his mercy didn't do that. Has begotten us again to a living hope, Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, again, Peter saw this. This was very impressive to Peter. Because in all of his life, he never saw somebody crucified and come back to life again. So this of eternal life and Jesus' power over death was very much burned into the conscience of Peter. You can, in fact, beat the rap on death. No other hope for it. Yesterday, I was driving past the... uh, cemetery. And I was actually looking at the side. We have two cemeteries in Twin Falls primarily, and we have the side that allows gravestones and we have the side that's a memorial park that's all flat. Had a friend there ran that uh, memorial park. He said one time he said uh he got up in the morning and and uh he um, was out there mowing the lawn and these people po- poke their heads out the window and ask him why that they were mowing the lawn so early. Uh, they were in their motor home, and they had set up a camp there in the cemetery. They just saw a nice flat lawn. They thought it was a park, and so they just drove in there. And he said, well, you know, we dead people usually don't care what time we mow the lawn. <laughs> uh, and they said, oh, this is a cemetery. We spent the night in a cemetery. Oh, you know, and they were all freaked out. But I was driving past, and I noticed on the other side, with all the tombstones, and I looked at all those memorials out there, and I thought, man, that is really something that those crosses and those monuments all represent somebody's life just like mine, just like yours at one time. And you think about it for a minute and you wonder how many of the worries and the fears and the troubles would they really have worried about today if they could live their life over? And see, this is one of the things that God endeavors to do is take us out of the moment that we live in, you might say, with all of our surroundings of the issues and transport us into eternity. See, one of the things you'll always gather when you read the Bible, is you'll, you'll understand that God reminds us, endeavors to continually drive into us, that you are an eternal being. You're going to exist forever somewhere. The Bible says those that are in Christ Jesus, it's called eternal life. Those that reject Christ Jesus, it's called eternal death. So it's very important then that we make uh, uh, an understanding of how and where we're going to spend eternity. So when Jesus came back from the dead, this was very impressive to Peter, understanding that there was life eternal.
1: That's Pastor Mike Kessler with It's Time. I'd like to take this moment to invite you to get your free copy of It's Time to Grow the New Believers booklet written by Pastor Mike. It's Time to Grow answers many of the questions new believers have in a clear and concise manner, followed by the scripture references for each statement made. It's Time to Grow can be yours simply by dialing 800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Or you can order it online for free at csnradio.com. Don't forget, if you'd like a copy of today's program, you can call our toll-free line I mentioned before, and that's 1-800-357-4226. Also, the daily free podcast is available through iTunes by searching for It's Time in the iTunes Store. On behalf of Pastor Mike and all of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time.